Did BYD just beat Tesla in global EV sales? And does the EU now consider gas and nuclear green forms of energy? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Thursday, July 7th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some extreme weather events. Iraq has been forced to breathe in clouds of dust for the last two months as at least nine sandstorms have blanketed the country. Sandstorms can last several days. Hospitals are flooded with patients coming in with respiratory illnesses, schools and offices have been forced to shut down, and flights continue to get grounded. This is sandstorm season, which usually lasts from May to July, and the whole Middle East is quite familiar with these occurrences. But they usually happen only once or twice a year, not nine times in two months. Climate change-induced heat waves and droughts, unsustainable agriculture practices, and poor water management have dried out the area, making it much more susceptible to sandstorms. Additionally, climate change is making the world windier. Over in the U.S., excess heat warnings and heat advisories are popping up for 80 million people in Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, eastern Tennessee, and Arkansas as temperatures stay in the upper 90s and lower 100s. Remember, humidity in the Central Plains can make the temperature feel 10 degrees Fahrenheit hotter than it actually is. The National Weather Service expects it to continue into the latter part of the week. Memphis, Tennessee is expected to break its heat record today by reaching 102 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.9 degrees Celsius. The previous heat record was made in 1875. Let's check out a shocking new climate study. Scientists just found another ozone hole over the tropics that has been there since the 80s. When they say an ozone hole, we often think of the ones over the poles, particularly Antarctica, that grows and shrinks seasonally. Those ones were discovered in 1985. This new ozone hole is open all year round and it is roughly seven times larger than the Antarctica one. There are many sciencey reasons why this hole wasn't discovered sooner, and if you want to learn about those, there's a link to the study in the source list below. But this finding has shocked the scientific community. For context, the ozone layer keeps more of the sun's UV rays from reaching the Earth's surface. Increased exposure to ultraviolet rays can lead to the formation of cancers and cataracts, a decreased immune system, and harm to crops and sensitive land and aquatic ecosystems. This hole impacts a half of the world's population. A hole is an area that has at least 25% fewer ozone molecules than unaffected areas. The tropical hole is just as deep as the Antarctic one, showing a 80% depletion of ozone molecules in the center. A hole is caused by humans emitting gases, mainly chlorofluorocarbons, that can combine with ozone molecules. These gases were commonly found in aerosols and refrigerants. World leaders signed the Montreal Protocol to ban these chemicals globally in 1987, which wasn't too hard because non-ozone depleting options were already readily available for market adoption. Though now one of the replacements, hydrofluorocarbons or HFCs, is a potent greenhouse gas and an ozone depleter, so that's in process of being phased out now. But in general, the tropic hole has closed a bit since the agreement like the other holes, which is good. The author of the study, University of Waterloo scientist King Ben Liu, said the tropical and polar ozone holes play a major role in cooling and regulating stratospheric temperatures, and that might mirror the formation of three temperature holes in the global stratosphere. This finding could help scientists build a better understanding of global climate change because of that. Time for some climate victories, starting in the private sector. 
The Warren Buffett-backed Chinese car company BYD just overtook Tesla's global electric vehicle sales by selling 641,000 EVs in the first half of this year. For the company, that was a 300% increase from its sales numbers that time of year last year. Meanwhile, Tesla only sold 564,000 EVs, which could have been due to supply chain disruptions caused by China's COVID lockdowns, ironically. BYD wasn't impacted as much because its factories were in a different location. BYD is the world's second largest producer of batteries behind another Chinese company, Cattle. It recently beat out the South Korean company LG Energy for that position. These are examples of how China is definitely trying to be in charge of the clean energy transition. Meanwhile, in Africa, the Saudi energy developer, investor, and operator ACWA Power announced as building a large onshore wind farm in Egypt. The $1.5 billion project will power over 1 million Egyptian homes by 2026, with construction likely to start in 2024 once financials have been figured out. This farm will be installed in the Gabal El Ziet and the Gulf of Suez region, and it will be the largest wind farm in the Middle East and one of the largest in the world. Egypt has the biggest untapped solar and wind potential out of all the African countries. Egypt currently runs mostly on gas and oil. Over in Europe, Poland eased its restrictions on building onshore wind in order to diversify and boost its energy supplies. Wind energy has been stalled in that country since 2016 due to rules requiring farms to be built a minimum distance of 10 times the height of a turbine away from any farm or residential building. For context, turbines are about 152 meters tall. That rule heavily limited where wind farms could be built. Now turbines can be built only 500 meters away, which increases the land available to onshore wind 25 times over. Poland's climate minister said this could add 6 to 10 gigawatts of onshore wind capacity by 2030. Poland currently has 7.3 gigawatts of onshore wind capacity installed. The country gets 80% of its energy from coal. And in the U.S., actor Robert Downey Jr. has just joined the Department of Energy's Clean Energy Corps to recruit up to 1,000 workers for climate and clean energy jobs. Okay, I don't know what capacity he's actually joined it, but he's helping them. The DOE got $62 billion awarded to it in the bipartisan infrastructure bill to build the Clean Energy Corps. Energy Secretary Granholm and Downey Jr. collaborated on a cute little animated ad for the program. Coffee, Madam Secretary? Thanks, Robert. Early start today? Yeah, pretty early. Well, that $62 billion from Congress isn't going to spend itself. And, you know, thousands of jobs across the federal government is a lot of help-wanted ads. That is right. Thanks to Congress's passage of President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law, DOE's Clean Energy Corps is hiring. In this economy? Yes, Robert, and we're looking for folks to help us with pretty much everything. Scientists. IT teams. Contract managers. HR professionals. Cybersecurity specialists. Civil engineers. Electrical engineers. My gosh, we need everybody. There will be a link in the source list below if anyone wants to check it out. Now for some climate fails. The European Parliament voted to count methane gas and nuclear power as green forms of energy starting in 2023. This will allow those energy producers to market their products as sustainable choices. To be clear, so-called natural gas is not a clean or renewable form of energy. It's a fossil fuel that, while emitting less CO2 than burning oil and coal, has a bad habit of leaking methane. Methane is 84 times a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2 for the first 20 years they're in the atmosphere. 
In recent years, we have learned more and more about the adverse environmental and human impacts of using gas as an energy source. The EU argues that they are temporarily labeling it green because it's a transition fuel from oil and coal to clean energy. But many recent studies have come out to say it's less expensive to transition straight from coal to clean energy than it is to utilize gas as a transition point. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and the International Energy Agency have both said that we need to not start any more large fossil fuel projects if we want to keep warming below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Many climate organizers like Greenpeace are likely to take legal action in the coming months. Nuclear is a bit more nuanced as people are warming up to the technology more and more. Nuclear is clean in that it doesn't emit greenhouse gases. It's a consistent form of energy, so it doesn't need battery storage like wind and solar. Radioactive waste is a concern, though, particularly for small reactor designs. Yesterday, I said that some EU states are likely to sue the European Commission if this vote goes the way it did. That's referring to Austria and Luxembourg that still oppose calling nuclear green. Lawmaker lawsuits are less likely to come after calling gas green, unfortunately. Meanwhile, more than 50 scientists penned a letter to the members of the European Parliament stating that the new definition for forest degradation will water down the deforestation law. The European environmental ministers rewrote draft legislation to make forest degradation refer to the replacement of primary forests with plantations or other wooded lands. The red flag is the word primary because Europe has about 159 million hectares of overall forest, but only 2% or 3.1 million hectares is primary forest. Primary forest is forest space that has never been touched. Another problem is that what it must be replaced with is very narrow. It ignores deforestation caused by unsustainable logging, deliberate burning, mining, and road construction. We'll have to keep an eye on this to see if the new definition sticks. Let's end with a piece of positive chemical news. India has started to ban single-use plastics as part of a federal plan to slowly phase out plastic use. It started with 19 items like plastic cups, some disposable bags, and plastic straws. There are still plenty of single-use items that are not on the list, like chip bags and plastic water bottles, but this is the first time the country has implemented a plastic ban of any sort. India generates the third largest amount of plastic waste a year behind the U.S. and China. Hmm, interesting how the third largest carbon emitters are also the third largest plastic polluters. As I said yesterday, plastic is made from fossil fuels, with fossil fuels, and combines with oil spills to make pollution problems worse. It also contributes to biodiversity lost in many ways, and biodiversity is the net that's holding humanity up. Well, good job, India, for taking this first step. We'll have to see how well it gets implemented. And that was your climate news for Thursday, July 7th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becksphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.